The current state of the world has forced many churches to move to online services. While some will stay in that format for the foreseeable future, others have opted to conduct smaller gatherings. Still other congregations expect that they will have to close their doors forever. All this has forced congregations across the nation to reconsider how they do church. But this is just the tip of the iceberg for a bigger conversation that has already been happening for quite some time. From the worship wars that dominated ecclesial conversations for a good decade, to the more recent conversations about the validity of the seeker-sensitive model. Conversations about what a church should look like have been a part of the history of the Church Universal since its inception. In this final episode, we ask, how should we do church? Is there a right or wrong way to have services? Where do churches have the freedom to be diverse? Where should churches be unified? All that and more on this edition of Questions from the Pew. Welcome to Questions from the Pew, the intersection of faith and culture. We're a forum for discussion on the issues that are ruminating in the minds of churchgoers, but that are often not raised from the pulpit. Here, no inquiry is off limits. Too long has the church shied away from grappling with tough questions and nuanced issues. No longer. We're your hosts. I'm Rikard Salameta. I'm Lucas Manning. Hey. It's hey. great to be here. Yeah. Definitely. Last episode of the season. Wow, finishing up season two. Crazy. Unless, you know, unless we have enough questions for a possible question and response episode. It's a bonus episode. That's true. Don't be shy, listeners, if you have questions. Just reach out. Reach out. We'd love to have one more episode. Yes. We have a couple, but we don't know if it's enough for its own episode. So if we get a few more, potentially, yes. Yeah. But for those who have submitted questions... We have seen the the questions, so yes. we're just waiting yes. on a good way to to uh, to interact with them. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, great. Yeah. Well, today we're talking about church, something mm-hmm. that I think we're both pretty familiar with. Relatively, I'd say. What's church again? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, specifically. I mean, this is a. I always say this at the beginning of like all our episodes, man, this is such a timely conversation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, but it is. (laughs) Yeah. Believe us. But yeah. um, Yeah. I mean, uh, as we mentioned in our introduction, a lot of churches uh, have honestly been forced to close. Um, I was just reading an article, I think by the Washington post. And it's talking about this church that because they're not gathering, um, the church donations that have, um, you know, paid its leaders, paid the rent, the mortgage, mm-hmm. or whatever, that's just not coming in. It, it's not enough to survive. So the churches, right. like a lot of churches, are having to to shut down permanently just because they can't afford to stay open. Right. At a physical location, obviously. Right. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, and there's not really any like. I guess there's not any like unified situation because like depending on your state and area like some churches are just like meeting which i think now that it's it's spiked up recently so i think most are not again but yeah it's just it's kind of the wild wild west as far as churches go these days yeah churches are definitely having to uh to be a little bit more creative about how they minister to people so right crazy times yeah exactly i yeah and kind of what we said in the intro but i think it just brings up a good point of or at least it's making people reconsider how church is done, um, you know, the standing, standard operating procedures, which I think mm-hmm. is interesting. And that's you know, kind of what we want to talk about. Yeah. But maybe first we can start with, like, a little bit about our church backgrounds um, yeah. and the various churches we've been a part of. Definitely. Uh, yeah, so like you, I grew, up, um, I grew up in a Christian home. So I've not... Uh, there's never been a time in my life where I haven't been connected to a church. Um, and I've been going to the same church pretty much um, for my entire life, except for the more recent time of my life. But I grew up at the same church. 
uh, ever since I moved to America from the Philippines when I was four years old. That was in 96 or 97. So, um, so yeah. And it, it was a, it was church, a church in the suburbs. It was fairly diverse. It was an Assemblies of God church. A lot of, um, there were a lot of, um, a lot of people that came from Africa, a lot of Nigerians, especially a couple of Kenyans were, were all part of the church. Um, and there was a pretty decent Filipino population there as well. So very ethnically uh, diverse. Yeah, that's unique. Yeah, and I think that's that's a pretty um, it's a pretty major feature of a lot of Assemblies of God churches uh, because we're so missionally minded as a denomination. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's always been um, uh, a foundational element for us. So it kind of reflects itself in the way the congregations are are made up so it was really interesting um but yeah it was we were very vibrant in our worship as a lot of assemblies of god churches are so we didn't we sang hymns um especially when we first you know got there but we were never opposed to singing new worship songs like like Mm -hmm. contemporary christian contemporary worship music right um but there was always an appreciation appreciation still for the classic hymns um, but yeah, worship for us was always loud, very physically expressive. So a lot of raising hands, um, shouting, um, jumping up and down, dancing, flag waving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, and and it was really interesting because so many people brought their cultural forms of worship along with them. So again, a lot of um, uh, a lot of people from from African descent were there, um, and so. They brought the not cultural baggage, but their cultural forms of worship along with that to a suburban yeah. church in Illinois. So that was really cool to see. <laughs> nice, um, yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, so that's a little bit. I don't know if if I should talk about anything else. I don't know. Can you I mean, I guess just that you're involved in a church plant recently. Oh yeah, so that's a church yeah. plant. A little bit more recent. Yeah, um, I've been involved with a church plant uh, still in the suburbs uh, of Illinois, suburbs outside of Chicago. Um, for the past, f- going on five years now, I think. Um, and so it's a very blue collar, um, area, uh, that we're ministering in uh, and I lead worship there on a weekly basis. So, um, it's definitely, it's definitely been very interesting to see. And, and we're still, we still like to be very expressive, um, yeah. in terms of volume and, and right. physical AOG expression and worship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that we haven't um, we haven't uh, strayed too far from from that at all, but yeah. it's definitely a different congregation in in the fact that um, yeah, it's a lot more blue collar, um, white um, suburban folk who are at our church, uh, and a lot of them have lived in Illinois all their lives. Uh, lived in the suburbs all their lives, and they come from blue collar families as well, um, and so it's definitely. Um, definitely not the same kind of diversity as my previous church. was. Yeah. not saying it's a bad thing. It's no, just a different yeah. ministry context. Right. Yeah, totally. No, that makes sense. Speaking of your, uh, your first church, I remember you invited me to play, uh, play guitar there. <laughs> and I, I mean, we'll get to me in a second, but I'm from a, like a Baptist tradition. And so coming there and then having people stand up and give give words of encouragement and such. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> no, it was great, though. It was just different. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I can talk about me. Um, yeah, I was born and raised in a independent Baptist church, probably Southern Baptist roots, but independent Baptist church in Michigan. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely primarily white. Not that, yeah, this whole conversation isn't just about that but yeah white um i would say like traditional in the sense that like any change is kind of tough to come by you know uh which is once again when we say these things it's not we're not dogging churches that are like this it's just it's just the context that it was so like for instance like the worship wars we mentioned in the intro i wouldn't say like there were wars although i was young girish so maybe there were uh by the time I Maybe like, we should beca- define worship wars. Yeah, that's that's yeah, fair. Um, what are you yeah. thinking in your brain? <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, so in, in my brain, it's just the idea that churches couldn't agree on whether they should sing the old hymns or modern right. worship music. Right. Yeah. That exactly. had electric guitars or drum sets. Right. In, in yeah. And, and so there's like pushback from usually the older folk, right. at least in, in my experience, uh, pushing back on the new stuff, which to be fair, like, so when we had that whole thing going on, like, because we had like a traditional, um, like worship, like music director, which is great. He's great. Super talented in that environment. But then like, to have him switch and try to be like a modern, like contemporary worship leader who's leading from a guitar or something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just not his strength. So like the way we did it wasn't like the greatest sounding. So I understand why it's like, we have this thing that we're doing really well. So why don't we just keep doing that? Which I think that's, anyway, that's fair. Anyway, but so we did make kind of transition to contemporary stuff. I think we did still do hymns, at least when I had left, which was a while ago now, close to a decade, I guess. Um, yeah, but now like they do like more contemporary stuff. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing is I went back recently, like within the last year and, uh, and like the same contemporary songs that they were doing when I was there, they like did that day. Once again, it's not a dogging. I think it's just like you get something like the church gets something it's comfortable with and it just kind of sticks with it. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> like, like it just kind of stays. So it made like kind of a transition and then now it's like, that's what it likes. Um, yeah, it's, it's a suburban church. Um, I would say like geared towards families a lot. So like the youth programs were a huge thing and the youth group was a huge thing. Uh, Like when I was there, it was probably a 600, 700 person church, but then we had like a hundred person youth group ages, like from Mm -hmm. seventh grade to 12th grade, which I think is like pretty big comparatively. And maybe that's too much information, but yeah. So that's, that's like kind of where I come from. Um, When I went to college, I started playing at, a church that my brother led worship at in Indianapolis, not directly in the city, but, uh, uh, much closer to the city than, than my church growing up. Um, and that church was a bigger church. It had like satellite campuses. So there was a downtown campus. So sometimes I was downtown. Um, it was a very multi-ethnic church. So, um, yeah, just a lot of black folk, a lot of white folk, um, Latino honestly there's a there's yeah there's a pretty good amount of diversity but it depended on the campus so like the there was one campus that was in the suburbs that was mostly white um the campus downtown was pretty mixed and then the main campus was like probably the most diverse of them all Hmm. um and there the worship the cool thing about that church is that the worship styles of the campuses like was a little bit different. So like the main campus was a lot more like flowy and like what you think of as like gospel. Um, like the MD there was a Puerto Rican uh, and like a lot of the musicians were too. So there's a lot of like flow and like, yeah. I don't know. It's MD, you mean like a like music director? Sorry, yes, a music <laughs> director. Me and Riker are both from musical worlds. So I'm sorry, I'm not explaining. Yeah, so the music director there was Puerto Rican and a lot of musicians as well. Mm. Whereas like at the suburban church, uh not that it was not that everyone on stage was white, but it was much more like CCM. Is that what it's called? Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. I forget now. Yeah. Contemporary CCM. Christian music. Yeah. CCM. Yeah. I think it was awesome. Like I loved like cuz I played at the the suburban one a mm-hmm. decent amount and the downtown one. Those are like my two ones that I played at. And uh yeah, it was good. Uh, they were both they were both good. It was just a different a different context, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um more production. So like we'd do live music, but then the pastor would be uh like telecasted in or whatever on the screen, mm-hmm. which is a different just a different vibe. Yeah. Um, so there was pri- there was like a lot of synchronization like stuff that needed to be yes. like right on right on yeah. cue. Huh. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was wild. It was good. Um, I learned a lot about just like production stuff from that church, which is great. Um, and then recently, um, I switched to a church in Chicago that's like even more so production and kind of like that CCM thing. Uh, like, yeah, very contemporary. We're talking a lot about like worship, which I guess that's a part of what churches do. Churches are doing. It's in like the straight up city of Chicago. So it was pretty diverse, although, like, I'd say the culture of the churches 
more white. Though I think mm-hmm. they're they were aware of it and are trying to do something about it. But um, and that was a good church too. Um, the I guess the difference between that one and my previous churches is it was much more geared towards like young people in their twenties and early thirties. Um, yeah, you just like didn't see like middle-aged families you know like there weren't too many teenagers like around because there weren't that many old parents there yeah um so yeah it was a younger Hmm. definitely a younger crowd yeah all that to say like i feel like both of us have had at least a relatively diverse between the two of us experience with church like baptist versus pentecostal versus i guess both of us have been in like suburban yeah, churches. Yours much more multi-ethnic than mine. Growing I didn't up. even think about like the generational diversity as well that you had just mentioned. Yeah, like my my the church that I had uh, attended growing up, um, it, it it's been around for like I think almost a century now, and so there are a lot of families there um, that have had multiple generations grow up at that church. I can think of a couple, like two or three families in particular. They're into their third generation of people Dang. attending that church. I feel like that's um, crazy. Cause usually churches don't last that long. Right. Exactly. Um, that's not to say it, the, the history of the church has been smooth sailing, but right. it's kind of fascinating that throughout even those, you know, valleys, those low moments. Um, yeah. People have stayed at the church or have come back, you know, yeah. if they have um, gone away from that, that church. Interesting. just the the different expressions that the church takes um and there's just a lot of just tons of diversity um we kind of have these little set of binaries that we that we were talking through earlier um so like for instance like the difference between i guess we can just look at a few of them but like the difference between like urban and rural churches uh, mm-hmm. Like there is a huge difference. You know what I mean? Right. Even if you have like a similar demographic going to one is going to the other. Right. The concerns are different. The just context is different. Uh, mm-hmm. And it just, I mean, there's any number of things that could be different, but yeah, I don't know. That's, it's like, that's something that uh, like has an impact. Right. Another one is like church size. So yeah, I, I, get, I know this one is one that like gets talked about a lot or I've heard a lot of like bashing from one, (laughs) like one group versus the other. So like, for instance, uh, like small churches will be like, Oh, those mega churches, like, like they don't like, they're not really like discipling people and they don't like, they're just giving people watered down gospel and blah, 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 blah. How would you define a mega church? Like what, what threshold do you have to surpass in terms of like congregation size to be a, mega church yeah i don't know i think it's kind of an ambiguous term because i don't know (laughs) i just think oh go ahead because i feel like right now my i'd consider my church a small church right and i feel like okay let's see here i'm just looking up the hartford institute for religion research defines a mega church as any protestant christian church having 2,000 or more people in average weekend attendance that's fair. Wow, 2,000 people or more. I guess that's like, especially if you have campuses, you're counting all of those. Right, together. right. Okay. Yeah, huh. I would say, man, yeah, it's hard to categorize some of these ones that I've been in. But the interesting thing is like to hear my wife talk about Canada, she's like, yeah, there just aren't like tons of church, huge churches everywhere. Hmm. Like her, her church is probably not classified as a mega church by that classification, mm-hmm. but it's like one of the bigger churches like in her area. Yeah. So that's just an interesting thing too, is that I think in America we have these huge churches just because we have yeah. so many. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing though, too, like 
if we're if we're talking about you know the diversity of the church and if we can title this section of the conversation maybe where churches can or should be diverse yeah. i mean there's definitely a use for it right like so for for my church in particular as a church startup five years we could not part of the reason why we are at the place where we are in terms of financial stability and just average weekly attendance that's stable is because of like local mega churches that have partnered with us and given us mm-hmm. resources that we couldn't have on our own like yeah for example we we've been able to use um a couple of churches buildings like a mega church they have like, like a campus near us for example they they've opened their doors to us and we've been able to use them for weekly rehearsals for our band like that makes a huge difference for us you know as a church because we don't have our own building (laughs) and we don't we can't get into our space in the middle of the week like we would be able to if we did have our own building so right like for that like our growth is can be almost directly traced to Mm. the influence and and the generosity of this mega church right yeah and i think like that's kind of what we're like getting at uh in general it's like the Mm -hmm. different spaces that these churches occupy within the body of christ um yeah so i mean kind of back to what we were talking about with the size conversation is you also hear people like uh attack like small churches to say like oh they're like they've had 50 people for 10 years or whatever like it's a dead church or whatever Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it's it's not going anywhere like it's not doing anything but then like i guess both of those arguments i guess like i I don't think that they're good arguments uh because they're measuring like the success of the church on like i don't know just like what's important or what's the identity of that church so Mm -hmm. when like a mega church says like oh those local churches are small and they're dead like they're not doing anything it's because like a lot of how they measure their success is like in like numbers, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is an easy way. It's an easy like thing sure. to do. Yeah. And the, yeah. the same with like local churches when they're like mega churches aren't discipling like as well as we are, which of course they're not because the ratio of pastors to people there is probably way like it's a probably one to a hundred versus mm-hmm. at that church. It's probably one to 15. You know what I mean? Yeah. So of course like discipleship isn't as much of a focus. Right. But yeah. once again, they're, they're kind of, they're making a value judgment of their church and applying it to all churches, which yeah. I think is kind of the pitfall that happens a lot with these diversities. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting that numbers play such a big role in the, in the way we assess churches, I guess. Yeah, so yeah. like it's, I mean, it's usually from smaller churches looking disgustedly at mega churches. <laughs> like, Oh, it's yeah. all about the numbers for those kinds of churches. Right. But then those same churches do the same thing for smaller churches like oh right. that yeah like you, like you said the ch- this church isn't growing they've stayed 50 people over the past 50 years right, it's like right, well right. that's still a numbers game then <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so there's got to well, be a, a better there's got to be a better way i mean sure. obviously numbers do do play a role in it right so that's definitely. that's a very clear indicator of the health of a church but that's not the only indicator definitely yeah it's not the whole story and i guess i guess that's what I, i'm getting at a little bit is like let's let's look at what these churches can do like positively that other churches can't. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. like what you were saying with those like the mega churches. Like they have so much resources or so many resources that they're able to do things that small churches just can't do. You know what right. I mean? Like right. like at some of the churches I'm involved in, they they're like raising tons of money for these uh these nonprofits or you know, like doing all of these things, which is like really great work that I think the church universal like needs to be doing Mm -hmm. so they kind of like i guess it's it's the whole thing of uh you know the body of christ like the arm does one thing the eye does another thing um not that that metaphor has to be taken so far as to you know what part of the body am i (laughs) doesn't need to do that but it's just different functions and so i think these like the like one difference in churches church size and so these smaller churches have a function bigger churches have a function sure there's there's cons to both approaches but there's also like a place that they fit into you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. yeah i think yeah the downfall is having a particular vision of what a church or your church should be and making that vision the goal 
Mm. So if the goal is to become a mega church, it's hitting, you know, those 2000 mm. weekly me- uh, attendees every week. Yeah. That's a problem. But at the same time, um, yeah. Envisioning just a small local body that, um, you know, of, of 50 to a hundred people that, that meet every week and being wary if the church grows beyond that is right. also problematic because that's, that could be impeding the growth that God is pouring into that local context. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's the thing that I think sometimes like a little bit of self-awareness on the side of the church could be great. Like, Mm -hmm. so for instance, growing up in my church, like we, we saw a little bit of growth, but we mostly stayed at like, you know, 500, 600 ish people for my whole life there. Um, And like, but, but a lot of like, uh, a lot of times we would say how we are like, we want to bring people in and we want to grow and we want to, you know, like do all these things to make the church grow. But then in practice, it was, it was much more about like uh, catering to the families who are already there, which once Mm -hmm. again, I think is totally, it's totally fine. That's a great way to do church, I think. Um, But it's like, maybe we can just be honest. Like, yeah, we're, we, we welcome visitors and we want people to come in. Uh, But like, we're also here to like disciple these families. You know what I mean? Like that's, I don't know. I guess sometimes I don't want to say honesty, but self-awareness I think is, can be helpful for churches to like know what type of church you are and where Mm -hmm. you fit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not to say, yeah, that's not to say that that should be the only focus, but knowing where your strengths naturally lie as a church. Yes. Yes. I get that. Yeah. So another one is just generational. Uh, I guess we put like boomer to millennial, but now it's starting to get to like Gen Z and whatever else is going on. I don't try. I try not to pay attention to the generation markers, (laughs) uh, but yeah, just, just old and young really. Um, which yeah. Another thing that, that we did as a church growing up was we would take this, we'd go on these trips called bike trips, which basically it's really cool. We've talked about it before. I'll just real quick recap it, but basically we bike 400 miles in a matter of nine days. Um, and we, we stop at churches along the way, uh, who will let us stay there. Mm. So we've stopped from everywhere from tiny little churches that like hardly can hold the amount of people. It's around 40 people to huge like mega churches that are literally like complexes, hmm. like with, with parking garages. I think we actually did stay what? at the main, uh, campus of Harvest Bible Chapel in mm-hmm. Elgin. Is that where it is? Uh, Rolling Meadows. Oh, Rolling Meadows. Either way, I, yeah. we stayed at the main campus and, uh, and that was the first time obviously I'd seen a church that big mm-hmm. and it was, it's just wild. So, so a lot of times I guess like the stereotype is that these smaller churches are just populated by a bunch of old old folks you know what I mean because <laughs> whichever church we were at on Sunday and Wednesday we'd like attend you know the service if they had a service on Wednesday yeah. Um, and yeah usually on Sunday if it was a smaller church it was like uh, you know a, a lot of old folks so but I don't think that that's like necessarily true um, I guess that's this this one of all the binaries I think might be the one where integration is like the most important because it's Mm. I feel like that's a big disconnect in our culture is like learning from like the generation before us it's like the new is always better for us so it's it's like that's what the culture says so that's where it's it seems like a disconnect yeah no I I think you're right yeah I know that churches in the past have kind of experimented with how to how to minister to the different generations and i i grew up there like on a sunday morning there was the like the 8 a.m service and then the like the 10 30 a.m service i think that's what it was Mm -hmm. but like the 8 a.m service was um was split up into like generations i guess so there there was still a main service going on um but there were also uh, sunday school classes that's when junior high church and youth Mm -hmm. church uh would meet um and so you've got a couple of and then obviously like um i think there were a couple of like other kids ministries going on in the eight o'clock service time but then when 10 30 rolled around it would be the whole church gathering for 
for one service. So you had oh, yeah. um, you had the youth, you had the college age kids, you had the adults, you had the seniors mm. all in one service. So that was really cool to see. The youth still sat in like the upper balcony. Sure, and, sure. Um, but whatever. But it was cool to see that looking back, that we were all worshiping together, singing right. the same songs, hearing the same message, reading the same scripture verses together. Yeah. Um, and I think... I think that really is the 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 way to go if we are to um, if we're to connect the Christian experience, the Christian life, with um, with this idea that we do learn from people who are older in the faith, uh, mm. and that old people who are older in the faith disciple those who are younger in the faith. Mm. And so, I mean, we see that in 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 Paul's letters in the New Testament, um, but I think. I think people nowadays, churches are, are seeing that more clearly. And I, I don't hear or don't see many churches who who are so much focused on dividing it, dividing ministries up on a Sunday morning by generations. Yeah. I feel like for the most part, what I've seen are churches moving towards collectively worshiping together. So I think yeah. that's, that's a good trend. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I, I see that as well. Um, yeah, I think like, it seems like at least in my context, like the kids obviously go off to like, their like programming or whatever, mm-hmm. which that makes a little sense. Cause it's like, give the parents a break for three seconds so that they can listen to something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. I remember yep. that was a, a big debate was whether youth groups were even a thing that was necessary <laughs> or if it should just be like, you yeah. know, the church. <laughs> right. 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 I remember my parents were like, youth? youth church just go <laughs> yeah. to traditional main service with us <laughs> right yeah <laughs> yeah but something cool so something cool that my church does is because we're meeting in a small space what we do is um we actually have everyone worshiping together um uh, for the, the song time the music time and then um, once we get into the this the actual um message time mm-hmm. uh, the kids go off and and they um they go to a separate room and um, a youth minister um, leads their service. But yeah. what's cool is for half the service, we're all singing and worshiping together. So right. it's kind of cool, at least, you know, f- from from my being in front of everybody, seeing all these different generations singing for sure. together. For sure. No, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's how my church did it, too. They'd be, like, dismissed when we were younger. They'd be dismissed to junior church after the mm-hmm. worship. But, yeah, that's, yeah, I think it's a good it's a good thing. Um. Yeah, I mean, not too much else to say about that. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's more of like a cultural thing about, like the worship of things that are young and new, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But yeah, it's definitely different per, like in terms of geographical location, right? So, mm. some some locations, some contacts might not have a ton of younger people. That's true. Uh, yeah, whereas a college town might right, see right, some right. more of that diversity. Definitely. Uh, so. Totally. Uh, yeah, I guess we could move on. Another one that's just interesting is high versus low church. Um, so that's high church for the uninitiated is like Lutheran, Anglican. I guess you can include Roman Catholic in that. It's it's mm-hmm. ritual. It's uh, There's usually a liturgy involved. Um, a lot of times with the bigger denominations, the whole church around the world is doing the same liturgy, which I think mm-hmm. is really cool. Yeah. Um, uh, vestments they have um like oh yeah robes they have like robes they have <laughs> yeah. um cool hats uh, they're not cool hats <laughs> yeah. they're, uh, <laughs> i obviously don't come from a high church yeah tradition. i've never been i've never been to one where they have hats i've been to one where they have robes but never one that's where they've had hats cool story speaking of high church and hats and whatever so when i went to paris like 2 years ago this was before notre dame caught on fire but we were there i was there with my family and i was there in the middle of mass and they were exiting they were finishing mass so it was really cool to see the procession of all the priests and 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 they had just ended their service and they were singing as they were um, exiting out so that was kind of cool to see that That before all the yeah before it burned down just as an aside i guess (laughs) right yeah totally i think it's really cool and once again i think that there's like advantages and disadvantages Mm -hmm. so low church would just be just to 
can talk about advantages and disadvantages in a second. But low church is just, uh, yeah, usually they're independent churches. Um, I guess they don't have to be Southern Baptist Convention and all these other denominations, AOG, I guess, uh, Assemblies of God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but usually they're, uh, I don't know, I, I guess how would you put it? Less structured. There's not yeah. a, a unifying liturgy. Right. Um, I think I think that it's there's um, there's a loose unifying thing b- between particularly within churches of the same denomination. So, um, you know, most churches in the Southern Baptist Convention or Assemblies of God they have a worship time, then they have the um, the, the actual uh, sermon time, right? right? That is at least a loose unifying thing, but right. um, between churches among among churches they could have um they could have a a separate time for offering right um whereas other churches might say hey uh in the announcements they might just say hey give online the right right, right. you know the give in the back of the box um so it it varies in different aspects like that but with with the high church it usually i feel like those usually come from the top down so they have that's in terms right. of ecclesiology or like church structure, that's it right, usually yeah. has so the archbishop and then the bishop right. and then the the priests or pastors underneath them. So they have right. a structure they follow, and it's going to be the same across churches, even though they're right. in different locations. They're all following the same service order. Whereas low church is more congregational, congregationalist, where like right. they vote for who the elders are and who the pastor is, right. and that kind of a thing. So it comes yeah. from the bottom up, basically. Yeah 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 well that's yeah i mean yeah there's just a lot of interesting things to say about that with obviously like democracy becoming a thing Mm -hmm. uh like i mean you look kind of back at the like historic church and a lot of times like like politics like the structure of politics and the structure of the church a lot of times are similar because that's just what we know for structure because that's the thing a lot of times low churches like it's like we don't have a liturgy like we're free you know to do whatever but like that's in theory but in practice like most churches have a structure that they follow you know, yeah, and basically no, a liturgy. Yeah. There are very few churches that run by complete anarchy. Right. Yes. Just anybody saying whatever they want. And if, if the church does that, I don't know how that church could be long lived. I don't know. Right. No, I'm with you. Yeah. You got to have structure. Um, anyway, so that's once again, there's, there's pros and cons to high versus low church. Like what I said about, uh, like high church being connected to the same denomination around the world. I think that's Mm -hmm. like something that's really powerful. Um, And a lot of them are, they're connected to like a historical liturgy and a historical uh, church calendar, Mm -hmm. which I, I know in our generation, there's been a lot of people who are raised in low church and who are now like going to high churches or, or like the high church, right? Like liturgy, liturgical experience. Uh, And I think it's cause like, in our culture, we don't have that connectedness with like our history and, you know, yeah, really anything, any like historical practice. And so that's where these, these high churches kind of, they do provide that in very tactile ways with like right. the rituals that they follow and, and the Eucharist as a lot of them call it, or the Lord's supper mm-hmm. that they take every, every week. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's helpful. Obviously low church is helpful for other reasons. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's. I think it's helpful to to remember too that a lot of, um, a lot of low church traditions, um, and the subsequent like denominations or, or traditions that are birthed from from them, mm-hmm. they were in the context of, I guess, protest against the the hyper ritualized high mm-hmm. church context, yeah. um, and so like you have two extremes then that are mm-hmm. birthed out of that moment, right? So. Yeah, the low church was birthed out of uh, a reaction to a strict high church ritualism. Right. And so instead of, oh, we, I mean, we talked about this with, with Dr. Emerson in our previous episode, but the pendulum swing almost swings all the way to the other side instead of finding a middle position where it's, okay, we need to change these things, but mm-hmm. we can keep these things. Instead, right. the whole thing is thrown out. You got to throw it and, all out. Yeah. And what's valued then is, no, we're, we're, we let the spirit lead. We let... Right. We, you know, we don't let uh, tradition dictate how we, the way we do things. Right. But God, yeah, I mean, we've seen in the Old Testament, God, the way God instructed 
the Israelites, the ancient Israelites, to worship him was through a set of rituals. Mm, and those yeah. rituals weren't meant just for for ritual's sake, but it communicated something about God, mm. right? And and uh, James A.K. Smith, James K.A. Smith, is it A.K. Smith? No, James K.A. 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 Smith. <laughs> he talks about it in Desiring God. Like the, the liturgies that we have, whether it's in a church context or any other context, communicate something about what we worship. Sure, um, sure. And so... Yeah, there's a beauty to both the high and the low church yeah. tradition. So I think we need, there needs to be a balance uh, definitely yeah. between the two. That's what I was going to say. Was, yeah, I think it's a, because as you say, like the, um, like is ritualistic, like what uh, God gave the Israelites to do. But it was also something that they totally understood. Like mm-hmm. those types of sacrifices was something that was not new to them. Uh right it would not have been the first time that a system like that was set up. So that's where it's like, there's this balance between like, uh, or like, I guess something new versus something that's like, has its roots in history. You have to yeah. be able to connect with it somehow. There has right. to be, you know, some, yeah, something in common with what you're used to. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I grow, I grow weary of the dichotomy between, Oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not in a religion. I'm in a relationship. Yeah. Like, no, any relationship has its true. has its has its rituals, has its yeah. has its you know structure and the way of right. doing things. Rhythm. Yeah, it's got its rhythm, and it's the same thing. I think it's just a yeah, a mutual respect for both traditions and right. and the beauty of both um, is right. healthy. Yeah, I think maybe it's good to transition to like it's similar, like the high to low context. Um, which we kind of got at it with the James K. A. Smith. So like a high context would be you walk into, uh, you know, say you're very newly become a Christian. You walk into um, like a very, let's just say a churchy church. So they're like using a lot of biblical language. A lot of, uh, a lot of things they talk about are not things that are, like known, I guess, to the broader public. So you walk in there and you don't know what's going on. Yeah, Christianese. That's what I'm talking about. There's a lot of Christianese going on. Um, and so someone who walks in there who has not been in that context or grown up in that context just has no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. People are speaking in tongues or, you know what I mean, they're talking about the marriage supper of the lamb. I don't know what that is. <laughs> like, So that's like a high context um, versus like low context churches. Mm-hmm which this is different than high and low church of what we were talking about earlier, right. but high and low context, low context churches to me are like, uh, like the ones that are modeled after shopping malls. You know what I mean? Like those seeker friendly churches. Mm. Like, uh, if a person who has no background in Christianity walks into, you know, uh, Willow Creek, the stereotypical seeker, seeker church. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they walk in and everything looks like a mall. They're like, Oh, I know how to like interact with a mall. Like mm-hmm. I've, I've done that before. That's a part of my culture. So I like know how to navigate these spaces. Once again, it has a part of JK, James K. Smith's point is that the way that we do things also affects the what of like what we're doing. Right. Um, so obviously that's going to have an effect, the structure that you have. Uh, but as we were talking about with, with all of these diversities, that's just another one of, is it easy for an outsider to enter your church or is it, you know, really tough if they don't have, you know, the same background? Right. Yeah. And, and the last one is, I guess the the last binary is that mono versus multicultural, um, binary. We've kind of touched on it as we've woven in and out of these different, uh, other different binaries. Yes. Um, but that's got so many different layers, especially now that, I mean, we talked about it in, in previous episodes, but the U.S. is becoming more and more diverse. So it's not it's not culture in terms of just, you know, in, in my instance, Filipino culture, yeah. you know, that I bring into um, into church. But it's it's the fact that I'm Filipino, but I grew up primarily in suburban united states totally yeah so that's different from the culture that a filipino immigrant who just migrated Mm. to the united states right and so yeah um there are so many different like nuanced levels in in that in that binary yeah yeah and i think uh we had talked about this a little bit with dr emerson in our last podcast go check it out (laughs) 
politics in the church. Um, but we, we did talk about like the idea of integrating churches, um, and having kind of mono cultural churches versus multicultural churches. And yeah, what, I mean, what he said is, yeah, there's a place for, for all. Um, yeah, because a lot of times, like for instance, minority groups will want to have their own, like their own church, um, Mm -hmm. you know, where they don't have to, where they can like be in their culture, especially like immigrant communities who are, who were raised in another place. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I think there's kind of a place just like, just like all these binaries, there's a place for the, the varying spots on the spectrum, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All that to say, yeah, there, there are, there are the, those few areas where the, the church can and should be uh, fairly diverse. Totally. I guess, yeah, just wrapping up this whole thing is a lot of times like the the things I hear people say about other churches, they do like fall into these categories. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. like I understand that like that is a negative about that church, but like that doesn't mean that, you know, they're like they're not following the gospel or, you know what I mean, or they're outside of orthodoxy. Right. Um yeah, so I think that's just something to keep in mind is a lot of times the things that we fight over are in these categories, you know what I mean, or squabble right. over. Yeah. Um, so that's where it's, I guess to me that seems like fruitless, you know, f- fruitless division mm-hmm. um, where we can have diversity and be unified in it instead like instead of having that division. Yeah. So that, that I think that's what we're kind of yeah. hoping to illuminate with this. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's a good segue into, and maybe the next session should be, yeah, where churches should be unified. So coming out of that section then of the diversity um, of the church, the beautiful mosaic that is, man, mosaic has been quite the uh, quite the word, quite for the us metaphor here. now <laughs> yeah. for me. Thank you, Canada. Um, but yeah, in, in light of that um, that diversity in the church, uh, maybe where churches should be unified, um, if there is so much that differentiates us not so much in a bad way, but in, in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Where, are, where do you think we can all stand up and say, yep, we all agree on that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I guess the first place to start is just, which is, it's a really easy one, but it's just like historic Christian doctrine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean like, you know, kind of these cursory things of, you know, the sign gifts or, you know, I guess even some like women's role in the church and some of these other, you know, these cursory theological issues, but mostly like the historic. Maybe not cursory, but like um, secondary or tertiary issues. I think there's, there's like circles uh, of Mm. uh, concentric circles, I guess, of like theologies. That's good. And so I, I think we're talking about the main innermost circle which is just you know the triune god the divinity and uh humanity of christ um the atonement you know those things are the resurrection those things are if you don't believe in those things like you're just not a christian church i mean that's okay (laughs) but like like (laughs) you can't call yourself a christian if you don't believe these core right i mean you, you can call yourself a christian it's just historically you would not be considered one so and that's fine once again we hope a lot of you, uh, some of you listening here, a lot would be great, are not, uh, you know, are not necessarily Christians. But, um, but yeah, let's just be, I guess let's just label, if we're going to use labels, let's use accurate labels. <laughs> so that's right. where, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's one easy unifying thing is just right. the main tenets, that inner circle of, of core Christian doctrine. Yeah. yeah, I've seen, and that's why I think titles like, I mean, we discussed this We've referenced a lot of previous episodes, but yeah. our very first episode of this season, mm. we were talking about the usefulness of the title evangelical mm. and whether 
in the age in the political age that we're living in if that's still a good title to have because yeah right now evangelicals are seen as a voting block right as opposed to um i think the the head of the ag uh, at this point had mentioned recently that it's a theological coalition is what it should really be known as not a voting block and so i think uh, like a title like that has has so many uses because it does unify a diverse group of people, like a diverse group of, of congregations sure. and denominations under a set of truths that they can all agree on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, go listen to our evangelical podcast. I won't say too much on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah. And then the second, I think, area that Trisha should be unified in is this commitment to the growth of the community of faith. Um, now, one thing that I would say about that is that it would it will look different. It will be diverse in terms of its application, mm. but there should be a commitment to. Um, <laughs> this is historic church language, but to initiate the uninitiated. Mm. So, to whether that's coming from people who, who have, you know, f- for example, families like I was saying er- earlier, like multi generational multi-generational families who have grown up in the church and they're wanting to raise their kids in the Mm. church get them baptized get them in sunday school to learn the faith that's one way of growing in the community of faith sure but then another way of growing the community of faith is by the focus that some churches have on evangelism and outreach right you know that's that's a very much um i guess compared to the organic growth that you would have like in, internally that's reaching from the outside and bringing people into the faith and there's room for both but yeah. the the core foundation you know between the two diverse you know uh, methods is that there is an understanding and a valuing of of um of growing that community of Christ sure. followers sure no i think that's a good point um, and a lot of this conversation has been, uh, I guess, within our like American context, we've been talking out of a lot. I guess one thing that I find interesting is that in other contexts, um, like specifically I'm thinking in Asia, which is very pluralistic uh, and has just a lot of different religions and backgrounds, t- tons of different languages. A lot of times that growth from within in the sense of like you're raising your children and your family in the faith is like kind of the only viable option to do, you know, to, to mm. grow the community of faith. And so that's where I think, I think sometimes we can look at that at, as Americans or folks who are from, you know, traditionally Christian areas of the world. And we're like, no, like they should be out, like, you know, compelling them and that kind of a thing, right. which I think makes perfect sense in, in our context a lot of times. Um, but in other places, there's different ways that that growth manifests. Yeah. 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 And there's room for both. Yeah, that's what I think, too. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, maybe, yeah, just to, I guess, draw all of this to a close, then, uh, it might be helpful, I think, for for churches to do their own self-assessment, mm. right? If, if we're to frame this assessment uh, in in the context of what we've just talked about, I think it'd be helpful, especially in, again, the conversations of how should we do church, especially in light of the pandemic, um, the increasing diversity in the U.S., mm-hmm. um, and the already, the, the pre-existing conversations that have been happening about how to do church. Um, maybe a helpful step would be to to move backwards from what we've already discussed here and understand exactly what kind of church you are and how you fit into the mosaic that is the universal church yeah so start off on again those points of unification that we can all agree on you know as a church would you say that you agree with historic christian doctrine <laughs> if not maybe fix some of that i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah Just figure um, that out. and then yeah do you have a commitment to the growth of the community of faith, whatever that might look like. Right. So I think that's step one, right, right. At, at bare minimum. And then from there, if we're kind of, yeah, to use what you had said about concentric circles, but in mm-hmm. a different way here, yeah. but branching out from that, looking at those different 
um, binaries and the nuances that we discuss in them. Like, where do you fit into that? Because depending on your context, depending on your strengths, depending on your resources, the way you you live out, again, the commitment to grow the community of faith is going to look different mm. depending on, again, if you're rural or urban or suburban. Mm. If you're a high church versus low church or high mm. context or low context, all those things mm. are, I think, secondary to, again, those unifying points. But um, understanding where you fit in those different levels and not, sorry, not levels. I don't want there to be like a hierarchy no. or anything like that, but where you fit into those boxes. Yeah. Um, I'd say permeable boxes. Yes. Um, where are you on the spectrum? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Perfect. Right. It will determine how well you function as a community of faith in that particular context. Mm, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's great. Um, yeah. And the nice thing is you can do this whether you're, you're a leader or not in your church. Um, it might even alleviate some of the frustration you have. Because I know like as a, a teenager or a young person, I was pushing my church a lot. And mm. I think if I had an understanding of like, okay, it's it's okay that that we're a certain way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, obviously, you don't want things to get like totally stale where there's no growth at all. Um, but but there's different ways to have that growth and that progression uh, of the church and its congregants. So yeah, yeah, I think I think it can alleviate some of the the stress points that come from people trying to mold the church into how they think it should look. You know. Right. Yeah. I think what you bring up is is pretty key too. Like, so for like in particular pastors might have a really good understanding of you know where their church stands and how they fit into the mosaic of of the church universal but they might not be communicating that to the rest of the congregation so there's a disconnect there Mm. like what you were saying right so it's on the job of of the leaders within a church to make sure that their congregation is on the same page as they are right because they are a community of faith Mm. yeah that's good yeah and i think one other way too to I guess if we're going to say apply these things, this podcast is now a sermon. <laughs> Bible college students over here. <laughs> yeah. No, but another, I guess, helpful, hopeful thing from this conversation uh, might be to, to find churches that are different from you in these various binaries um, and just to learn from them. So uh, how, whatever that looks like, whether that's connecting with them, um, what Riker was talking about earlier, it's great that that, mega church kind of helped your church plant you know get up and on its feet and continues to help you guys with with having mm-hmm. a building or you know that kind of thing like that's that's awesome and i think that's really helpful for both churches because uh, they both get to take a look at what the other church is doing and say okay like like that's a different way of doing it what can we you know what can we learn from them mm-hmm. um and that's that's across the board whether it's you know older churches from younger churches you know uh monocultural churches from multicultural churches big from small you know all these things i i think it's a theme i guess throughout all our podcasts but the the more diversity that we have within churches and that we're exposed to the only outcome of that is uh richness you know Mm. it's it's only it can only lead to yeah the as you say a beautiful mosaic uh, of the of the christian church so yeah i think that's just one thing is especially if you're a leader of a church even if you aren't um rather than looking at these other these churches that differ from you with a critical eye um not to say that you can't also do that but look at them uh as as ways to learn or you know other modes of operating that that you can gain insight from um so yeah i think that's just uh, might be a, a good tip to take away yeah i think that's a good place to end the episode and a good and uh hopefully hopeful place to end the season that's true that's true this this is potentially it yeah so listeners our faithful listeners thank you for for listening we really appreciate it yeah and if you'd like to support us financially uh, you can always do that on patreon Uh, it's just at www.patreon.com slash questions from the pew Uh, and if you can't support us financially please we'd love for you to give us a, a good rating a review on itunes or whatever platform you're listening on uh, and that's a big help uh, for us as it uh, gets our podcast uh, in front of other people's eyes. Uh, and so, yeah, it's helpful. 
Yeah, also, please comment and ask questions. Leave us a short voice message or text message at 312-725-2995. Again, we'd like to, if possible, have a, just another bonus episode talking about the questions that you bring up and, and kind of respond to them. This has been Questions from the Pew, a podcast in the World Outspoken Network. To learn more about World Outspoken and its mission to prepare the Mestizo Church for cultural change, visit www.worldoutspoken.com. For Questions from the Pew, I'm Ray Gonzalez I'm Lucas Manning. We'll see you next time. Bye.